You are tuned in to Lightworkers Lounge, tales of having a human experience in a spiritual world. I was going to record this podcast episode yesterday, Thursday, January 12th, but I felt wired. I mean, wired. And then, of course, as an astrologer, I look at what's going on in the sky and I see, oh, Mars went direct. Mars, planet of action, energy, force, (laughs) went direct after three freaking months in retrograde. This is a very rare, you know, we have Mercury retrogrades three times a year, every year. They're honestly not too, too, too bad. They're more of an annoyance, like a fly you have to swat away than a heavy hitter like Mars going retrograde for three months. Whoo, this has not been easy. A lot of us may have felt like we wanted to have forward motion and movement towards something, but no matter what we did, it just wouldn't work. You guys know my Denver story. I went there with optimism, ready to go. And the universe was just like, nah, 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 not right now. Go figure stubborn old me trying to push through but it went direct and I was just wired all day and I also noticed in our tiny town here in Colorado everybody was out it was hopping outside and I'm like is there a holiday or like an event going on nope I swear we're all influenced by the stars whether we acknowledge it or feel it or not we are That's why my moon journal, it's just a phase, teaching you how to work with the cycles of the moon. Remember in the episode where JL and I talked about our Denver trip where on Saturday we got in a fight and it just lasted all day? Guess what the moon was in? If only we knew. Aries. And if you have my moon journal, you notice in the chapter where I share that I took notes in my phone for a month before I even started to write this so I could see if it actually worked, and it does. But during the Aries moon phase, Jael and I fought. We just got competitive with each other and just... And the moon was in Aries. If only I had known, stop, drop, and read my own journal, probably wouldn't have picked a fight with him or behaved passive-aggressively that triggers him. But we're all human. But Mars has moved direct. So I don't want to make this episode about astrology because it was going to be a little bit of everything. Uh, Feet on the ground, head in the stars with just me. But it's worth noting, if you felt the spice and the flair and the optimism yesterday, that was Mars moving direct. If you didn't, don't worry. Mars is probably afflicted in your chart. We'll have to look at it personally. But whatever area of life, whatever house Mars was transiting for you, Mars and Gemini specifically, that area of life will now be free to flow. Mm, yes. January 18th, Mercury will be moving direct. Mm, yes. And from, I think it's about February 1st, all the way through mid-April, all planets are direct. This is very, very rare to have this. So if you've been thinking about telling someone you love them, moving to a different place, quitting a job to begin a new one, if you just need some luck, some optimism, some force from the universe to get you on your feet and get going, this is a really good time to do so. Now, this week, I think leading up to Mars moving direct, I have just felt a lot of like the engines turned back on, churning, growing. And the other morning, part of my current morning routine, because it changes like the wind, uh, 
is I sit in the sun here in the studio because here in wintertime, the studio gets the most sunlight in the morning. So Jeffrey and I sit in here and we journal while Sweet Baby Jay's making us breakfast. So kind. We journal. And if you follow our Monday newsletter, What's New and Good, it's free. If you guys aren't signed up, please go do it. Come join us where we talk about recipes, favorite books, what I'm currently listening to, what I'm currently eating to nourish my body. It's just a fun little, hey, what's new and good? Email. Go to lightworkers-lounge.com and subscribe. It's free. You have everything to gain and nothing to lose. But I shared this journal in a couple of emails back called Create Your Own Calm, a journal for quieting anxiety by Mira Lee Patel. It is awesome. And the other morning I was journaling in it and then I just had this inspirational flow of something I wanted to share with you guys. And this is what I wrote, just complete chicken scratch in the back of the book underneath Patel's photo, the author I was just like, I need a, I need a notebook to write. These flows are coming in hot. And so I flipped to the back where the about the author section is and just jotted this down. I wrote, the hardest thing we'll do is doing something that everyone around us thinks is nuts, is bad, is not socially acceptable. Not only is it hard because you feel like, well, society tells me I should do this, but my heart, my gut, Tell me I should do that. What do I do? We humans are programmed to be in community. And so more times than not, we're going to sway to the left and do what society wants us to so that we have the approval of our loved ones and our immediate tribe, so to speak. But it's in those brave moments where you say, actually, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this with confidence and optimism, and I don't care what you have to say. I mean, deep down I do, but I'm going to act like I don't and move forward with what feels good to my heart, soul, and my intuition. And I have to tell you guys, I have so many examples of when I have done this. I've lived quite an isolated life, both by choice but also by just luck of the draw or just what I've been handed to in this lifetime. And so I don't have a fear of being alone, of having no one, of having the approval of no one, of having the love or affection of no one. I know, I know that it's not healthy and I am not ever going to go back to a space where I don't have at least one or two people in my immediate circle. But I'm saying I've been there and so I don't mind it. And so I'm trying to be optimistic here, but also cautious of other people's experiences where being without help, without friendship, without love is mortifying, petrifying. But I want to tell you what I've always seen in my experience of when I make the unpopular choice to fulfill what my heart knows is true for me. In hindsight, people always see. In hindsight, 100% of the time, people always see why you did what you did, why you had to separate yourself, why you chose to go live there, why you chose to do this and that. They always see whether or not they admit it and come to you and apologize for being an adversity in your way on your path or not. They see 
and they may see in the quiet of their own lives, but they will understand. When you make a decision towards doing something that is not favorable for your family, your friends, society, and culture, people are just projecting because they are not brave enough to do that because they had a chance to do that when they were your age, but they didn't take it. And so they're jealous. They're envious, and they don't even consciously understand why. And then also I've noticed with family, they just want what they define as safe for us, right? Our family, our mothers, our fathers, they they see themselves in us. They see little versions of them in us, And so dependent upon their childhood, they may be projecting onto us what they wish someone did to them. But that may not align up with where you're at and where you're trying to go. And it's the hardest thing in the world to look in the teary eyes of your mother and say, I know you want me to do this. Stay here. Be with that person. But that's not how this works. And this is not what's best for me or anyone involved. It has to end. I have to go do this. Please just accept me for where I'm at and catch me if I fall. Be there for me emotionally. That is the best you can do. Mm. You know, I think of, let's just use the most plain cut and dry example I have. This is the thing that made like workers lounge go viral. And so of course I always tip my hat and give an ode to it, my divorce. I went through a divorce during my first Saturn return when I was 29 years old. How funny. Back then, I didn't even understand what a moon sign was in astrology. Truly. I only knew I was a Sagittarius and that was it. If only I had known. And boy, when I have young clients who I read their birth charts, I just grab them by the metaphorical shoulders through Zoom, and I'm like, listen to me. <laughs> We're not talking about anything except your Saturn. Please feed it. Please obey it. Please practice the discipline for her, because then 29 to 31 will be phenomenal for you, and not a train wreck like it is for the most vast majority of us. But I went through a divorce when I was 29. And I remember thinking, like, this is the hardest thing I've ever had to do. It felt, it felt so right, but when I had to announce it to my friends and family, I was met with silence and wide eyes and dropped jaws. Sometimes I was met with what I feared the most, which was anger and very reactive responses. And I knew, oh my gosh, not only do I have to stand strong like an old oak tree in a storm through the pain that my then husband is going to feel through this decision I'm making the person that I loved the person that I never ever wanted to hurt not only do I have to stand still and not cave to being codependent on his reactions but I also have to then turn around and look at the wave of people from his family and friends to my family and friends to our social media following now because we all, no matter how many followers we have, we have to answer to this now new group of social people in our lives. What are they going to think? How are they going to react? These are very natural things to fear. And I know I don't fear being alone, but I do fear anger. That is one thing from people that unnerves me it are people who are viciously angry over something I'm doing or people being really sad. I really don't like when I, something I do, makes someone very sad and cry. Oh, it makes me just 
shrivel. But I had to stand strong in the midst of that hurricane. And I had to stay rooted in something. And I don't know how I came up with this, but one evening while meditating, watching the sunset over the Rocky Mountains, because I lived in Denver at the time, surprisingly, full circle, ha-ha, I remember seeing a bright orange glow, yes, from the sunset, but it was a different type of orange. And I knew it represented my children. I saw two children that were mine. And I thought, these children are waiting for me. They've been waiting for a very long time. But they knew this man was not the conduit for them to get here. And so they were saying, hey, they, they told me in this meditation, hey, he, meaning my ex-husband at the time, he also has children that really want to reach him. So could you be the strong one here and break up and separate so he could now take a hard right and go towards the path he's supposed to be on and you can take a sharp left and move towards us? And it was in that moment of his children, my future children, his future children, my future, he did not have any where I was like, okay, I'll do it for you guys. I'll stand strong for you guys. I'll be firm for you guys. You know, nobody else will believe me. I could never verbally express this to anybody. Like, hey, we have to break up because his future children told me in a meditation they're waiting for him. <laughs> I just had to be rooted in that. And I did. And through all the tears and, yes, the angry people who love to voice their opinion and bring up all the reasons why they knew I was this and that from the past... I had to sit anchored for those souls who were not manifested in the 3D yet. And they were my anchor through that storm. And then I thought, okay, now I'm free to find love. Now I'm free. I did it. I left. I moved out. I thought the worst was behind me the reactions and the tears, and they're like, okay, we're good. And I think I share this because I think a lot of people think that once they make the hard decision of leaving that job, leaving that relationship, running away from home, that after that it's rainbows and hummingbirds and ecstasy. But have you noticed that it's not? And I think some people I've even seen on the internet, they, they try and tell you that it is. That that's just all you have to do is break free from the thing that held you back and then you're good. You're in the clear. You get your happily ever after. But I hate to be mispessimistic. Maybe that's why you listen to me because I'm real. It's not. And usually the relationship right after is so bad. And usually the job you go after, after, the job you go to after is not the one. It's not your purpose. You're not automatically making $5,000 a month doing something you absolutely love the moment you leave the corporate job. And normally when you leave home, oh my gosh, the world eats you alive. And you live somewhere that's dirty, dark, not as comfortable as home in your bedroom, in your safe space at home. But here, and I'm reading my notes still, I wrote, linear thinking, I'm free after this, but oh, that's when the work comes. You can't handle that dream unless you reshape who you are. 
Repeat after me. You can't handle that dream unless you reshape who you are. My own chicken scratch from my morning journaling. I wrote how I was behaving in my marriage. My mindset in my marriage was not, is not someone who knows how to create, keep, and grow true intimacy. I needed many experiences to stretch and mold me. So what I'm trying to convey here in my journal was when I left my husband, my marriage of five years, and someone I've known since I was in third grade, he was a safe space for me. I didn't know what I was doing. I thought, okay, I leave, and now I get the good relationship. Now I get the one that feels right, and that is a mistake. Now you get a chance to go out there and create what's right, that thing you dreamt of, that job you dreamt of, that place you dream of living. Like you can't just say like, oh, I dream of living in Florida. I'm tired of living in northern Minnesota. I'm freezing and it sucks and the people are drag. You don't just go to Florida and get your best friends handed to you who love you and accept you and unconditionally want to hang out with you. Like that's not how it works. You could have to move to Florida and you're lonely and you don't know anybody. And then, holy shit, here come the holidays. I still don't know anybody. Where do I go? What do I do? You have to step out of your comfort zone and go out there and meet people. But wait, the pain that it was caused at home through my family has made me so nervous and care so much about what other people think of me. I'm not going to just go out there and say hi to strangers. Oh, here comes the work. I was just in a relationship that lacked passion and a very imbalanced masculine and feminine energy, but I dream of having someone where the sex life is great three years into it. They take care of me. They understand me. They're non-reactive and they listen. But wait, I didn't do that in my marriage because if I did, I wouldn't be where I'm at. And so when you leave a relationship, you often attract someone worse, to be honest, because now you're going out there and you're going to realize what your energy truly was in that previous partnership based off of the next person you attract. They are a mirror. And this is when the real work begins. This is when you get really stretched to see You know, I always tell people this. Okay, stop reading the books, listening to the podcast, looking at the reels and TikToks, and go out there and date someone. Go out there and try and find a friend. Put those lessons into practice. And you'll often find that it's a lot harder than when your mind just read it on Instagram and thought, oh, okay, actively listen to people, express this, share that. Seems simple enough. Whew. Not when you're in the trenches, sis. (laughs) It's so, that is the true test right there is to go out and see if you can apply what you've read and taken in. If you can apply and not repeat what you've done in the past with past relationships in the present one. And this is something I try to express with you guys when I talk about JL and I's relationship being so hard and so difficult Because this is a relationship that was like, all right, let's test you. Let's see if you can really, what did I write in my notebook? Who knows how to create, keep, and grow intimacy. When JL and I met, it was immediate intimacy. 
So that was the creation phase. We created intimacy through sharing our deepest secrets with each other, just as friends. It was so easy because I was dating someone, he was dating someone, and to share secrets with each other, we felt so held, non-judged. Our Scorpio moons were like, you show me yours, I'll show you mine. (laughs) So we created it. Now to keep it, that is where, oh, that was tough. When I left the treehouse and I moved to Texas and a lot of you were like, what are you fucking doing? Don't like JL, not getting a good vibe from him because he does come off as a really intimidating person. (laughs) And you were like, your dream is the keys. You're giving it up for him. You know, again, social media presence, people projecting. I actually lost a lot of followers when I said I'm leaving the Keys and moving to Texas because people were probably like, oh God, another codependent love story. But they have no idea the nuts and bolts of why. I mean, I could spend this the rest of this episode giving you 14 reasons off the top of my head of my own doing. And then of course, JL's life, like trying to blend the two. And we're not, it's pointless to sit here and explain all that because that would mean I wasn't rooted in what I did. I didn't, wouldn't have confidence in what I did and I do. And it worked out perfectly. And it was something my soul most definitely needed to experience because now I'm wiser, stronger, more grounded and confident than ever through that experience. You know, one of my besties, Gemini Queen, She was telling me that Joe Rogan, she loves Joe Rogan's podcast because he's so open-minded and doesn't judge anyone. He is just curious. He's endlessly curious. You know, Joe Rogan is a Leo Scorpio moon. Leo, the entertainers, pure sunlight, people just gravitate towards them. Scorpio moon asks the deep questions, not afraid to go there, not afraid to be mutable and think about other opinions and ideas. Joe Rogan, hate him or not, he is the king of podcasting and I frequently study him because if you want to be the best, look at the best and it's him. And my gosh, whenever I worry about audio or anything like that, I think don't. Look at this dude. They'll pause in the middle of an episode to go pee. (laughs) People love him because he feels like a friend who's not afraid to talk about the things most families and friends are afraid to. Scorpio moon. Sure wish I knew the rest of his chart. But he's curious. And he doesn't judge. And this is what we need more of. I'm still waiting to find a good podcast episode where a strictly carnivore person has a discussion and a debate with a strict vegan can, if you guys have a podcast of two of those drastically different views are talking or like a Christian talking to a very spiritual astrology, you know, like I want to hear an episode where there, maybe I'll get someone on my own, huh? But I want to hear that. If you guys know, send it to me, please. But that's what I love about you guys, especially because that's how I am. I don't judge people. I have read the charts for every religion denomination, gender, ethnicity, sexual preference. Like I have read it all and I love that. It's the highest compliment that people feel so safe and grounded and trustworthy of me to pursue the stars through me. It's it's the best. Thank you, guys. And I don't receive hate mail. I don't get nasty DMs. I don't get the comments. I, I'm so lucky 
but I'm also like, of course, this is my energy. I don't judge people. Everybody is welcome at my table because I'm so curious. That is going to be the word of the next 20 years with the Pluto and Aquarius generation coming up. Curious. Can you accept that people are not going to have the same beliefs as you? Can you agree to disagree? Can you still hang out and kick it with someone who likes Trump? There's your, there's your assignment. Okay. I might say the last piece of this for a whole other episode. But maybe not. Hold on. Let me go find this. I was going to share an Instagram post with you guys from a girl named Emma. Emmy? Do, 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 do. One moment, please. Where do you find your archives? Here it is, on Instagram now. Wait, no. This, oh, there they are. Wow, you guys, I don't even know how to use Instagram anymore. The posts that you save. Okay, I paused to find this post because it took me a while. I don't know how to use Instagram anymore. Wow. That was weird. But I kind of like that about myself. So I want to read an Instagram caption that I shared on my stories. So you might have already read this. But for those of you not on the gram, this is just too good not to share. Her name is Emma Lume. Beautiful. She's an artist, poet, singer, wild-hearted soul in Austin, Texas, of course. Shout out to Austin. I lived on Lake Travis back in 2020 when the world shut down and all I did was walk around Lake Travis aimlessly. But she posted something the other day that was, it just hit so deeply that I'd love to share it. So again, her name is Emma Lume. You can find her on Instagram at Emma Lume underscore. She writes, maybe it's true. Drink tap water and you'll get candida and die. And maybe don't walk outside barefoot because pesticides are everywhere. And maybe don't eat that salmon because it's contaminated with mercury. And definitely only wear linen clothes that look like horrendous brown paper bags because certain fabrics cause cancer. And you will grow a tumor on your armpit. Actually, maybe we should never drink water, only eat from our own gardens, and never breathe air ever again, because supposedly that's full of carcinogens now, too. Can't even trust a cloud these days, scratch my head. Probably a good idea for us all to waterboard ourselves with celery juice daily and buy hazmat suits to protect us from reality, but oh shit. Hazmat suits aren't organic. So we're clearly all fucked and going to die very, very soon. Can't win. And while we're at it, we must meditate for an hour every day and shove crystals up our pussies to be pure and clean so that God can touch us and save us because this realm is dirty and everything is so horribly wrong here. And meanwhile, everyone's dying anyways. Even if the air was pristine, our livers operating in perfect harmony, our hearts never knew what it meant to break, we never knew what a toxin or pesticide or cancer-causing agent was, we would still be dying. So what's the fucking use? Something will kill us all. And meanwhile, a young man is hammered drunk at his wedding in Paris, having the best night of his entire life, and a mother in Argentina is giving birth to her third child, screaming and writhing with bloody ecstasy as she is looking in her husband's eyes with the purest admiration, and they too are dying. 
And maybe that's the point. We tirelessly obsess over what is wrong with life and the earth and our bodies and how to fix it. We miss the reality that either way, we're all fucked. And you can be fucked and be terrified of the fact and try to escape it or control it or outrun it or be fucked and be dripping down your legs, bowing in awe, trembling with the miracle that is being alive. Something will kill us all. And I pray to God that your own mind doesn't kill you before you die. Wow. What she is saying is how I have been feeling. And I have to admit that when I was a holistic health coach in 2016, when I reversed my autoimmunity, I was that person. I mean, so strict and really held back in my own life. I mean, I would go to Starbucks and everybody else around me would order cookies and mocha lattes. And I would just be like, black iced coffee, please. And I brought my own salted non-vegetable oil peanuts to eat while everybody else enjoyed pastries sharing. And it was like, Steph, come on. And then it probably killed intimacy in my marriage because he still wanted to eat like a normal 26-year-old pizza, steak, burgers. And I was like, vegan, organic, raw, get it out of my face. And so that, that really messes with intimacy with people. And so now at 34, I have really found that it is all about balance. JL and I have this thing. Whenever we travel, we love to go look at new coffee shops. It's a vibe to get to know the town and look on the community bulletin board, see what it's all about, meet some locals. But we have this thing where we love to share a pastry. We love looking in the glass case and we're like, which ones do you want to share? But we share it. We don't get it and we don't eat it by ourselves while driving down the highway, nervous while texting on the phone, all the energy frazzled. We share it. I'd love to like hold it up to his mouth and let him eat it. And then we both chew slowly and talk about how much we love or how much we don't like it or what is enjoyable about it. And it's an experience and a bonding. And that's it. We share one pastry. So it's not like we each eat a whole one and that's too much sugar, too much carbs, oil, etc. We share it and the energy is good and it's a vibe. And so as a health coach, I do tell people, go eat what you want. But where, what's your mindset when you eat it? If you want a cheeseburger and french fries, cool, make it at home. Start a factory line with your friends or family and have a homemade make-your-own-burger night. Go to a local ranch around you and get the meat from them. Pray over the meat really quickly as you're about to cut it out of its package. Say a little prayer. Thank you, animal, for giving your life for me. One day I'm going to give my life back to the earth so that you can eat the grass that stems from my decaying body in the ground. <laughs> Should I do slam poetry? Should I write something on Instagram? Shoot. But that's what it is about, guys, is the energy. Stop being so strict, as Emma says, perfectly, beautifully, poetically. We're all fucked. <laughs> We're all going to die of something. Wait till we find out what Wi-Fi and EMF and God bless your ears listening to this and Bluetooth headphones. Wait till we find out what that's doing to us. It's <laughs> We're probably all, all of us like 80s, 90s babies who were born into the, well, maybe we have a chance. The 2000s babies, I'm so sorry. I don't know. <laughs> born with an iPad in your arm. I don't know. Uh, we don't know. But right now it connects us and it makes us happy. But it's really important to turn your phone off at night 
to get a break. When I go for a walk and I have my phone with me near my, my pelvic region or my butt in my pocket, put it on airplane mode, just feels right. Moderation, moderation, moderation. Balance, balance, balance. When you're truly happy, when you love what you have, where you're at, <laughs> some beliefs of others may trigger you, but you either don't pay attention or give that any time or energy. You don't drop any of those gold coins you wake up with every morning, 10 of them. What piggy bank do you put them in? You know better than to put them in ones that don't pay you back. You focus your time and energy on what you love. And when you disagree with someone, you say, wow, that's an interesting point of view. It doesn't resonate with me, but that's cool. You listen to podcasts, you read things on the internet, and you say, oh, ugh, don't like where this person's going, but that's okay. I'll unfollow and go find someone who's more on my wavelength. There is the secret sauce to world peace. With that, I'm going to say bye-bye, and I'll see you guys again soon for another Astro Advice column. Again, if you want to send your stories, spowers at lightworkers-lounge.com. Good news, I think we found a place in Denver. So maybe we'll start recording videos of us and put it on YouTube for those of you if you're interested. But wish us luck, send us good vibes, going back to apartment city living for now, for now, for now. Sending you love from the San Juan Mountains while I'm here. Bye.